Harry and Dave shared credit on the white bus But as things advanced, their relationship was on the rocks Maybe less people know his name But he revolutionized war games With the first fantasy Hi everyone, so I've got a load of call-ins to get through, going back a little way, I'm keen to get through those, do keep them coming in, I do like to receive them, I will respond to them, um, but I've all, I'm also aware I've made this commitment to Anchorites Appreciate Arneson, and this is actually a little bit easier because I can just record a bit and put it out. I haven't got to muck about with editing around the calling, so I'm going to do that first this week. It's also easier because Ray's theme for this week was to talk about a game you're actually playing, not one you want to play or you'll get around to playing, but a game you're actually playing. And uh, fairly recently, I played a third session um, of the King of Dungeons game I'm GMing on Roll20 and I was probably going to put out a report of that anyway so I'm going to talk about that now so this is the game using the King of Dungeons rules and set in a world which I was calling 13 Thieves but which we're now enjoying calling not Carnival Row because I pitched it as sort of Victorian folk inflected steampunk and then a couple of days later the Carnival Row ads came out and I got really grumpy <laughs> um, but it gives people something to latch on to I suppose and if you remember uh, in the last session we had a we had a character death um, despite despite having four or five guild bonds and a whole bunch of re-rolls on the wisdom check to help him out uh, he went down the players took a campaign loss but not before that death had happened and the <clears throat> the campaign loss was actually quite fun i mean i'd set up i had set up that particular session knowing that there was this risk and setting out the costs for them because I thought the, uh, the costs of failure would be quite fun. I suppose I had anticipated the possibility of failure but not the possibility of character death. And the costs, I said, that at the moment their guild is getting quite powerful um, as they are um, working for Professor Percy and, uh, yeah, they've become involved in his scheme to open up some ancient vault below their guild tavern the binders and my warning to them was if you mess this up it was a it was a mission from him and if you mess this up that's it he'll withdraw his support and you'll go back to doing you know the mucky dodgy missions you were doing before the dodgy charters and so that's where i was able to set up this session that was quite fun i basically took them um, into the sewers amongst all the crud and filth being led by a rat catcher up against some rat folk it was quite fun that they hadn't none of the players had chosen rat folk as their character culture <clears throat> so the rat folk have been able to become a feature of the campaign and I was able to sort of alienate them a little bit and distance them a bit um, 
and it was fun because although their guild had been progressing in a particular direction there were still little links between this sort of duff mission that they'd been given and the the sort of emergent narrative of the game world that's still sort of happening uh, and they've still got a stake in what's happening there so that was all good fun I think the story's progressing nicely. I enjoyed the last session up to the character death because I'd set up a little bit of mystery, a little bit of tension, and the players were enjoying <coughs> speculating about the mystery and um, feeling the tension. But I suppose in the first two sessions I'd been a little bit uncomfortable because of the... Uh, you know of the combat economy of King of Dungeons so in the first session we did a heist they never really got into a real combat and that was fine I think it was an enjoyable heist um, in the second session because I'd set up this tension again they enjoyed kind of playing the tension exploring a kind of monorail train um, engaging with the various weird and uh, unusual um, people that they were meeting on it and then they only really got into a fight at the end of the session um, and then I I kind of overpowered the fight because I wanted it to be a challenge. And in this most recent session, I still felt that they hadn't had that kind of standard experience of a couple of good fights strung together with some interesting exploration and montages. So I set it up as an absolutely standard dungeon crawl. Um, and, and they got through, I suppose, about as much of the dungeon crawl as I'd hoped. They may be waded in a little bit more violently, violently than I thought. They got involved in an early combat sort of quite happily straight away and then that, that, that really set up the rest of the crawl as being pretty much a slog through various adversaries. I wouldn't normally run a dungeon crawl like that except I, I, I particularly wanted to do something which was more like the standard King of Dungeons experience. And I think there's a couple of things emerging around that. A couple of... I'm, when, I, when I did my extended reviews of King of Dungeons, I said some things I was nervous about um, with the Archmage engine that I thought King of Dungeons was maybe addressing. And I'm gradually thinking maybe King of Dungeons isn't addressing those. And some of the uh, issues I have with the Archmage engine are going to emerge with this game as well. But firstly, a shout-out to my players who are... Um, <coughs> You know, working really hard to get the most out of the most out of the game, uh, role playing really well. I'm really enjoying the interaction with the players. They're being very understanding. I'm still kind of faltering around roll twenty. Sometimes I think I'm prepared, and then I realise that I haven't got the uh, I haven't got the tokens in the right place as I move maps, and then I get all fat fingered trying to move tokens across and stuff like that. And they're all very patient about that. Those are things where you know I haven't quite got the online dynamic right anyway but I do bog it down every now and again trying to set things up and they're all very patient about that um, we've got uh, what do we got oh we had a couple of previously we had a couple of rogues but uh, thieves it was the one of the thieves that died so we've now got a couple of fighters our fed remade his character as a fighter we've got a scholar we've got a thief and we've got a mage so we've got a quite a nice varied group and certainly in their play they are distinguishing those classes you know in the way that they are playing them so i'm really enjoying that as, as i say i'm still faltering in terms of online play and i think i i will just say i think i've taken on a bit much running 
King of Dungeons was my first online game. It just is a bit fiddlier than the games I normally run. <laughs> and then uh, Roll20 adds a whole bunch of other fiddliness. Both of those things are things you get used to. I'd get used to King of Dungeons over time in a face-to-face -face group, and I'm sure I'll get used to Roll20 over time. <coughs> but I can't help thinking, I wish I'd maybe, excuse me, sorry, coughing. I can't help thinking, I wish I'd maybe done the black hack as my first online experience where the rules would have just uh, looked after themselves so that's one thing but I also have the nagging feeling I wonder you know the players are having a reasonably good time I think and they're helping me out quite a lot and I have that nagging feeling that you know having set up this world and this plot they might be having just as much fun if we were playing the black hack I'm not sure um, I've got some there are definitely some players there who are enjoying the, uh, the rulesiness. Um, but there is a nagging feeling. So this is the first nagging feeling I've got. I mentioned that, whereas the Archmage engine gives you a lot of what's under the hood with the monsters. So you could, you could, you could very conf confidently design third-party stuff if you left the classes as they were and you just bucked around with the monsters and the icons and things like that. But I've always been nervous about doing anything with the classes because they are so distinct. And uh, I always just... You know, they don't give you much of the science away. So I thought, if I muck around with the classes, I'm not sure that I would necessarily balance them right. You know, balance them against each other, balance them against the world. Very, very hard, given the swingy nature of some of those powers, to, to think how much damage things should be doing and whether things are going to pay off in a sufficiently satisfying way. So I've always thought with the Archmage changing, I wouldn't muck around with it, um, or I wouldn't muck around with the classes, because they haven't given you as, enough of the science. Um, and I mentioned in my review, you know, I'm keen. At one point, I still like to talk to Baz. Didn't catch him at Owlbear. Lots of things came up. But I'd like to talk to him about how he's engaged with that science and how he built his classes. But I'm beginning to suspect that actually he might have been a bit cavalier about it. He might have just not been bothered about that. And I'm beginning to suspect that over time, we might get a sense that some of those classes, some of those powers are going to pay off better than others. I even wonder if he had some some favourite classes. I mean, there was a point where the scholar, the scholar powers we're having trouble with, because they're sort of charisma attacks against the enemy's will, where the, the, uh, the player playing the scholar is doing a fantastic job. He has us in constantly in wonder at the, uh, at the speeches he gives when he enacts his powers. He's doing great. He's earning loads of guild bonds for the guilds, because uh, I just want to give them away, because we all just basically applaud whenever he uses one of these powers. But it, but it is quite hard to sort of visualise how they're actually having an effect you know doing the same power against uh, a human opponent who you can whose will you can affect by persuading them perhaps that they shouldn't dive into this combat it's quite different to think um, how that would work against and it's actually much more effective because certain slavering monsters have got much lower will um, but it seems to me that <laughs> um, although it works mechanically narratively it doesn't seem that 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 doing a speech against a sort of slavering <laughs> spawn um, would affect them in the same way so we're having trouble sort of visualizing things like that but um, I wonder if Baz's favourite class was the Scholar, because every now and again the Scholar uses a power that just pays off in a fantastic way. So he used one of his um, abilities that just destroyed a whole group. Um, and you wonder with the, with the rogues whether their abilities, they've got lots to do, they've got lots of options in combat, but you wonder whether they're going to pay off in such a satisfying way. So, I mean, given... Given what I know about perhaps some of the limitations in terms of time, playtesting and editing and things like that, I wonder if I'm going to have that creeping anxiety that maybe, maybe the science isn't really there underneath these classes and in the long term they're not going to pay off at all. So that's one concern I've got.
All right, apologies again for the cough in that last segment. I'm perhaps a little bit under the weather today, but I need to get this out. Um, I haven't got time to edit today, so I'm going to leave it in. The other, I should say more about that concern. I mean, I was involved in a lot of the playtesting. I wasn't involved in the early, you know, the original core for 13th Age, but a lot of the scenario books they put out where they just had a whole bunch of set-piece battles that you can drop into your campaign. These were playtested for, for, for a whole year, at least, some of these and I was involved in that play testing you know sort of stress testing the scenarios and offering quite extensive feedback and I know you know Baz's operation just you know that's it's not that kind of operation um but but I but I do worry because one, one of my concerns with the original with 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 the Archmage engine with doing my own stuff for the Archmage engine was you know how am I going to get the science of the classes right and I just worry that maybe that will prove to be uh, a significant weakness of play but but my bigger concern, as I alluded to before, is that I, I was hoping King of Dungeons would address some of my issues with uh, 13th Age in general, and I'm, I'm not sure that it does. So the big issue I had was trying to... Well, I talked about it as trying to string together the more in- indie elements in a sort of freeform narrative with the very gamey, set-piece battle system. But I perhaps got a different way that I would frame that in terms of the game I'm doing at the moment, which is the whole sort of resource management element i mean in the archmage engine losing your hit points is not the end of the world because you can you can draw yourself together in a fight and take a recovery um baz has, has introduced really fun um rules for healing potions you know with addiction and uh and overdosing um but but what it means is that your real resources over time are the recoveries and it's as you start getting low on recoveries that you should start getting worried. And this is set up sort of in a fourth ed way to get you through about four standard fights before you have to take a rest. Uh, and you should begin to feel the bite of your resources dwindling. But that requires you to set up your game in a very specific way. That requires you to anticipate a certain amount of fights of a particular challenge. I have found challenge balance to be difficult in King of Dungeons. So I overpowered it in the last session. In this session, I definitely underpowered it. So they went through three fights without me having made any particular dent in their recoveries. And they were much wiser this time about you know, using healing potions sooner. So they were never really particularly at risk in, in all of that. So actually managing that resource tension is quite difficult. And, it's, and this is a difficulty about the game because it's, it's quite different from your old school dungeon crawl. In your old school dungeon crawl, all fights are scary. You never really know what, how your resources might be taxed. You never really know the right place to take a rest. You certainly don't expect there to be a certain amount of fights that will chip through your recoveries before you, before you need to take a heal up, this kind of thing. Um, and so there's always a satisfaction if you avoid a fight. <laughs> You know, um, and you're always advised to do that. In this game, so many of the player's abilities are around. You know, 90% of anything you've got written on your character sheet, and you've got a fair amount written on your character sheet, 90% of that is, is battle powers. Um, and if you avoid a battle, that will have the effect of reducing quite a lot of the tension. So I, I said, you know, this isn't a really a game where you can run a, a traditional dungeon crawl with, and it, and it isn't. It's a very difficult to sort of pull out another encounter that's suitably balanced to to erode the resources in the right way so this is you know that that makes the whole 
plotting and pace of the game very gamey and artificial. Um, and I, I wonder if in the long term I'm going to say that King of Dungeons probably isn't isn't working out for me for those reasons, for that for the kind of pacing and plotting type thing. Um, and that, you know, a, an old school type game where you can just <laughs> throw things at the players and, you know, surprise them. And always they have that expectation that they might die and always they're going to be doing everything they can to avoid the combat or, or game round the combat or game through it is what you want, really. So, so those are my... So I had a great session because the players are doing a great job. Um, I felt like the whole session was combat and yet by the end I didn't feel that I'd made much of a dent in their resources and of course the combat had the effect of deferring it was never going to be a one session dungeon but it deferred some of the big reveals that I think would have vindicated a lot of a lot of that but you know you take a call um, at, a, at a suitable point to stop so uh, I'm enjoying learning King of Dungeons I'm enjoying learning Roll20 I'm really enjoying the group of players that I've, that I've managed to assemble from various places but these Anxieties with, with King of Dungeons are, are emerging. Alright, so that's my Anchorites Appreciate Arneson Month contribution for week three. I'm all caught up. I don't know what I'm going to do for my unsung hero of gaming next week. And it's looking like I'm not going to manage to get a micro game out as the bonus for the month. I must apologise for all of that coughing and hocking throughout the episode I realised, I didn't know when I got up this morning, but I realised listening back to that that I'm obviously going down with something um, which, although that's not great, is good because it explains a bit I think about my <laughs> about my mood and productivity over the last few days you've had all the Tims today because of course the Arneson theme was by TJ Drennan who does my deeper centile theme as well that you heard you heard the Arneson theme at the start of the episode and then for 13th Thieves I normally play you out with a bit of Tim Hayward and I'm going to do that now um, yeah so all the Tims they've both got a Patreon you should back them both and I'll put the links in my show notes I'll catch you soon